Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 3, Term 4. This is Lesson 35. We're going to begin uh, in Chapter 13. I think it's page 12, uh, page 9. And uh, this is the next event to take place in chronological order. And that is what is recorded in Luke, Chapter 5, Verses 1 through 11. Now, only Luke records this event. And it was included in the Gospels to show us that it took, uh, what it took to finally get Peter, James, and John to go into full-time ministry. So, this is the event that, that persuades them to give everything up and follow Jesus. Up to now, they've been sort of uh, part-time ministry. Okay, they've been doing part-time ministry. So they'll, they'll, they'll work with Jesus, then they'll go home and go do their business. They'll come back, you know, do a little bit more with Jesus. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Okay, so, uh, this, but this event that we're going to look at today is the thing that cro- pushed them over the line, so to speak. Yeah? And, and caused them to commit to this ministry full-time. To properly transition into this passage of Scripture, it is important that we remember, again, that at the end of Luke chapter 4, following the healing of every sick person in the entire city that had turned up at Peter's door the night before, when Jesus was asked to stay and continue his ministry there, it went on to say in Luke chapter 4 verses 43 and 44, but he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. And following this, we also know once again from Matthew chapter 4, verses 24 and 25, then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And we could say he healed them all. Amen? And great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis and Jerusalem, Judea, Decapolis, anyway, and beyond the Jordan. So, now that's why it says, so it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. This is where all the multitudes have come from. Are you all with me? Now, we looked at all of these scriptures last time. I'm not going to go over it again. So, in short, the multitudes from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan had been healed, delivered, and had seen the power of God like never before. And now they were curious to hear the word of God that was behind it all. Amen? So that, that is something very significant, because especially as we're moving forward in, in this ministry, this is the road that we're going to take. <laughs> okay? When the time comes, um, you know, to begin with, people will come because the power of God will be present. And things will be happening, and, and trust me, things will start to happen. Um, but the other thing is that, you know, sometimes you start to worry then. You think, oh, well, why are they coming? Just to get healed, and then they will never see them again. Have you all had that thought? Uh, some will. That's always going to be the case, and we have to have a really great attitude. If that happens, it's okay. okay a pastor is telling you, it's okay. Don't get mad. Because I'm not getting mad, so you don't get mad. Don't get mad for me, is what I'm saying, okay? It's okay. There, there are going to be people like that. But, and, and you know what? I have found that if they want to come, get healed and go, let them. Because you don't want to keep people like that here. Hello. Do you understand? Okay? So you need to look at this from so many different perspectives. Because a lot of people say, oh, well, they should come. No, no, no. You know, if, if they're not coming, then they shouldn't be. The ones that do come... The ones that are grateful and the ones that say, hey, I received something from God, what can I give back to God? Those are the ones you want. So if they stay, great. If they go, great. (laughs) 
get it? <laughs> All right. Either way, it's great. All right. Okay. All right, moving on. So, <laughs> so it says again in Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. And this time reading through to verse 3. It says, so it was a multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. All right, literally, the word that came from God. That, and that he stood by the lake of Genesaret, which according to William Hendrickson measured about three miles or five kilometers in length along the Sea of Galilee, which is about 13 miles by seven miles, about 700 feet below sea level, if you want to know. I don't know if you don't care. It is therefore, uh, in some instances, just called the Sea of Galilee, because it is a part of it as well. You all understand? Okay. So depending who writes, they'll sort of, they might say Sea of Galilee, other ones might sort of localize it a bit more. Don't worry about it. Verse 2, and saw two boats. Now remember this, it's going to be really important later on that he saw two boats. Okay? Standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Alright? So Morris says, this is Leon Morris. He says, after each fishing trip, the equipment had to be checked and cleaned in readiness for the next night's work. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, all right, who will be re- re- referred to as Simon Peter from now on, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down, this is how they teach, okay, and taught the multitudes from the boat. There are two things here that we need to consider. There's, this story has a lot of insights in it, all right, as we move through it, you'll see, and why they made the decision finally to go into full-time ministry. But right now, there are two things we need to consider. First, Jesus was faced with a multitude that was pressed about him, meaning that there was no room to move, let alone to preach. All right, so it was just getting difficult. You know, when people come that close to you, you've got a problem on your hands. All right? Second is what is not mentioned here, and that is that since there was such a great crowd of people, remember the mixed multitude from all over the place, right? Simon, Peter, and all of the fishermen at the lake must have noticed the great commotion and wondered what was going on until they saw Jesus. So they would have been coming up and wondering what the big crowd was, who died. <laughs> you know, today that's what we'd say. You know, uh, they're just seeing this. Because remember, Jesus is inside of that crowd. You can't really see. Of course, then it would have all made sense. Because as soon as they saw Jesus, all right, especially to Simon Peter, who had recently experienced something similar when the entire city turned up at his doorstep. Remember that? All right, to be healed and delivered. And so having to deal with this great multitude, Jesus now looks around and notices. See, what would you do? Stop for a minute. What would you do? If you, you know... You're out on the sea, maybe just taking a walk, trying to talk to God, you know. And all these people just crowd you and they're coming at you. Yeah, you just get on a boat and go, you know, or something, you know. You, you would just try to fight your way through the crowd. I, I, that would be my first thought, man. I mean, they're pushing you. All that's left behind me is water now. You know what I'm trying to say? Oh, this is a good baptism service. No, okay. No. So, having to deal with this great multitude, he looks around and he notices two boats standing by the lake. Remember, there was two boats there. And what was so great about them was that they weren't being used. Okay? And so, they were empty. Alright? Because it says the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Okay? And what's even better was the fact that Jesus knew who they belonged to. He knew. He looked at the boats and he would have known. 
Alright, because we're going to know this in a minute. Because not only had he been through there once before, remember that? When he went and called them, okay? The four fishermen to come and follow him. But he also come to know them and would have known about these, these boats of theirs, okay? One of them being, of course, Simon Peter's. So, you need to know all of this background. See, it's only as you do this line by line that you can then begin to understand how he knew whose boats there were. There were two boats and who they belonged to. And so, only because he knew this, he knows to ask Simon Peter to push it out a little from the land. Just to give him some distance from the crowd, since they most likely would have stopped and settled on the shoreline, so that he could sit down and teach the multitudes from a reasonable distance. So Jesus is thinking through this whole thing. I want you to see this. Amen? He doesn't get frazzled by it. He doesn't freak out. Looks around, sees what's at hand, and then uses it. In his commentary, we're over the page, William Hendrickson observes, all right, he says, there was nothing stiff or inflexible about Jesus' method of re- reaching the people. Within reason, almost anything could serve as his pulpit. Many a time he preached or taught at a regular synagogue service, as uh, has already been shown, and in Judea also in the temple, but he did not limit himself to synagogue and temple. Sometimes he chose a convenient spot on a mountain as his pulpit, or a house, or a desert, or even a cemetery. Okay, we're going to see all of that. In the present instance, a fisherman's boat, which meant not only a more comfortable position, but also a better view of the audience, and even better acoustic, uh, acoustics. Now, just stop for a minute. What do you think a rabbi would have done? No, 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 we need to get this now. Come back to the synagogue, and we'll do it there. That's right. And bring money, yes, that's right. <laughs> hey, you guys are learning. All right. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, the entrance fee, thanks. Okay. <laughs> Isn't this interesting that Jesus didn't hand out a business card or a fly and say, come to this church, I'll be preaching there this evening. Please get this. He saw a need and he said, all right, let's do this. And he was instant, he didn't say, I've got to go home, boys, and get my notes. Amen. Come on. See, we overlook a lot of things. You know, because if it was in the synagogue, they would have that little scroll, and they would have unscrolled it. And, I don't know what they do with the scroll. And, you know, and, 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 and had all of that religious activity going on before you ever get anything. And then when you, whatever you get, you kind of go to sleep on because it's so boring. Look at Jesus. Straight off the cuff. He sees people coming. He finds a place to minister from. And he's going to start ministering. Straight up. Wow. Remember they, can't, they came. They want to know. They want to hear the word. Are you all with me? So they, they're not just coming to hear some fluff piece. You know. Sometimes preachers. You know. They just get up and they'll talk about nothing. And scream, yell and spit a lot. Okay. And everybody goes. Oh that was a really good meeting. What did you learn? I don't know. But it was really loud. And exciting. But I don't know what I learned. <laughs> you know, you really, it's a funny thing. You know, you can get caught up in all the excitement and not, not learn anything. That's not what's going to go on here. Because when Jesus opens his mouth, he will start to teach. And they will listen, they will hear, they will learn, they will grow. And they'll probably look at, look at each other and go, where's his notes? <laughs> okay, hello. But, and, but he engaged his audience. He talked to them. Why, why am I saying all of this? You know, we need to be prepared in season and out. You know? and, and one of the things that I remember when I was going to Bible college, you know, they said, oh, the ultimate is when you don't have to have notes and you can just preach. 
I was at the place where I had been listening to messages so many times over. I could preach anything from the front of the tape to the back of the tape without notes because they're all in here. A lot of times I minister to you in that way. And I've got a lot of information on the inside. I use my notes so I don't get off track too much either. And I want to give you something that you can take home with you. You all understand? Okay, this is my work Okay, that I can give to you. But the thing is that if I needed to get up and preach, I could do that. Sometimes I'll do that. Some days God will just say, on a Sunday, He'll just give me a verse of Scripture from, a, from the Bible, and that's my notes. And then He'll tell me where we're going to go next. So, Jesus is he's able to do this. So, it, let's move on. And it says in verse 4, And when He had stopped speaking, so He teaches them. So, he's, they're not going to cover what He taught, sadly. I really wish that they had written down what He taught. Which somebody took notes. Anyway... And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, because this, this is what's important, right? He said to Simon, now notice Jesus is still in the boat. Jesus hasn't got out of the boat, alright? He didn't go to show first, then turn around and tell Simon Peter to launch out, alright? So he gives his command while he's still sitting on the boat, and he says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural, for a catch. Now you need to get all of that, okay? Alright, so... What we have here is a carpenter turned preacher telling a seasoned fisherman how to fish. <laughs> the knife. <laughs> okay? Now, seriously, now, come on. Alright, is like, now, preacher, we know you can preach. That's very good. Pat, pat, pat. Don't tell us how to catch fish. Because we know how to catch fish. You don't. So, you know that's not going to go down well. Especially, now listen, listen to this, okay? Especially after Jesus had refused to return with Simon Peter back to his place leaving him to have to go back on his own. Remember? They were all at his doorstep the next day. Remember? Everybody's looking for you. Alright? So he had to go back on his own to a very excited crowd of people waiting eagerly for the Messiah and tell them that Jesus would no longer be ministering from his house and send them all home disappointed. So we need to remember that. That would not have gone down well. I love Peter. Okay, because he changed and all. But right now, he's still a bit rough, rough around the edges. Okay, I reckon there was a bit of pride there. Okay, they're all coming to his doorstep. You know, they came to my doorstep, and they were waiting there at my doorstep. Because Jesus was at my house. You know what I'm trying to say? And so when he has to go back and say, uh, sorry, Jesus is not coming back. Oh, you don't know Jesus that well? Come on now. You know what I'm trying to say? You know that would have not gone down well. Okay, we need to see this. Because this isn't just a story. This actually happened. So we need to see the consequences of what would have happened. Alright. It might explain why Peter did not accompany Jesus on his preaching tour through Galilee, but returned to his fishing business instead. And also why there was some resistance, perhaps, stemming from this underlying resentment, on Peter's part, when it goes into saying, verse 5, okay, now Peter's going to talk, but Simon Peter answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Okay? Now Peter is suddenly going to realize who he's talking to. <laughs> and he says, uh, Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down... Okay, it's singular now. Alright, now, there are two things to be considered here. I'm going to cover some things because you know, people are going to argue otherwise. Alright? <clears throat> Let me do this first, then I'll talk to you. All right. There are two things to be addressed here. First, Leon Morris points out, night was the best time for fishing. 
Alright, John MacArthur explains, normally the fish that were netted in shallow water at night would migrate during the daylight hours to waters too deep to reach easily with nets. Which is why Peter fished at night. Alright, so Morris now continues, therefore Peter may be suggesting that when experts fishing at the right time had caught nothing, it was useless to try, especially at the request of a carpenter. (laughs) Okay, did y'all get that? Okay, all right. However, (laughs) once again, Peter is beginning to realize that even though he may not always agree with what Jesus says, still, as Leon Morris puts it, his word was not to be ignored on any subject. If he could turn water into wine and heal multitudes, perhaps it was best to just obey, even if it is partially. All right. This brings us to the second thing that needs to be addressed here, and that is the controversy surrounding the translation of the word net. Whether it should be singular, as is, or plural, nets, as, I- as in some other translations. You know, I, I want to cover this because I don't want you guys to go out there, you know, I don't want to just get up here, get all excited, preach, 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 and carry on, and then somebody goes and says, yeah, but in my Bible it says nets. That he actually let down the nets. Okay. Because that, that could happen as well. So I want to cover all this. Is that alright? In many of the oldest Greek manuscripts, there is evidence to support both renderings. And therefore, even the Greek scholars are somewhat divided on this point. So they're not even sure. Okay? So you need to know this. And so are all the various translations, since they're all translated from various Greek manuscripts. So you can get one translation saying net and another one saying nets. Don't be fussed with it. Okay, I just want to let you know that there is that kind of a problem out there in the, in the ether, alright? But since there is enough evidence to accept the translation we have, we're going to just take the, word, the verse as is. Is that okay? Alright, so I want to cover all that to say that, yes, there is per- perhaps a case for nets as well, but let's just take it for what it is, because there's something that's going to happen that, to me, if God blesses you, things shouldn't break. That's right. You know what I'm trying to say? Alright, only if you don't totally obey, things go a little bit wrong. Not totally, but you know, it won't go as it, is, as it should. So for that reason, okay, I'm going to follow the translation as is. Alright? Okay, so let's move on from there now. Alright, so it's for this reason and this reason alone that they ended up having the problems that they did. Okay, because it was a partial obedience. Alright, and, and that, you know, there, there is a lesson in that. Okay? When God tells you to do something, don't argue and don't compromise. See, we always want to compromise. Let's pick on our favorite subject, giving. All right. <laughs> or something else, something else. Uh, no. <laughs> Let's just work with that because I just, I just sort of, you know, because Jesus makes a big point of that. He says, You can't serve God and money, which tells us that's a big deal in everybody's life, obviously. Obviously. Okay. All right. So, you know. So, you know, say when it comes to giving, you know. So, when I was first told about tithing, I went, say what? What do you mean that's like 10%? Are you kidding me? Do you know how much I have? I've like got 20 bucks a month. Yeah, that's how much I used to get, 20 bucks a month, alright? Okay. I was at uni and stuff. It was like, I did. I can't live on 18 a month. So that was it. And you know, I was, I was really, I really, can I just talk to you about this for a minute? I just had a real problem with it. 
I was thinking, oh no, man, you know, this, this is just the way preachers get money off you, you know, you know, you, know, you go down, can we just be honest right now? Yeah, you just go down all these different roads, okay? And I was thinking, yeah, that's only for the people that have it. That's the other one I came up with, okay? All right. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and you know, yeah, I'm sure it's not in the New Testament anyway. By the way, it is, it's in Hebrews. So, but we don't want to see that. So, I was having a real issue with it. So, I want to show you how we partially obey. We kind of negotiate. So I was starting to negotiate with God. And you know what he told me? He said, whatever you negotiate out of is what you're going to lose a multiplied return on. So you decide. I said, that's not fair. (laughs) Can I talk to somebody else about this? I had to just be obedient. Listen to me. I just had to be obedient. At the beginning, I, don't, I didn't have any of the revelation that I have now. Now, with the revelation that I have, are you kidding me? Okay. But back then, I didn't have any revelation. I was just like, mm. <laughs> isn't it funny how we don't see the 18 bucks we can keep, we only look at the 2 bucks we're giving. 10% of 20 is 2. Alright, okay. So, you know, I never, like, and I thought, you know what? This is like ridiculous. Who wants my $2? Hello, you know, there's another thing that we can go down. I mean, two bucks, who cares? Two bucks. Like, you know, they go, woohoo, we can pay our bill because we got two bucks. No. Okay, <laughs> that's not going to happen. And I just, I just thought, you know, this, and he just said, no, I see everything. He said, I'm the one that said that will protect your finances. I'm the one that said that will, I will increase you. So I need to see what you're willing to do. And besides that, your future depends on what you're willing to do right now. And that was when I started to really, I thought, oh, I'm negotiating, aren't I, God? And he said, yes, you are. And I said, okay, man, you know, I mean, if you want my two bucks, you can have my two bucks. You know, and so I gave my two bucks. You know what happened? The, uh, the minister said, you know, our praise and worship team sort of kind of quit and walked off. So we want you to lead praise and worship and we'll pay you 50 bucks a week. And if you want to go to Bible college, we'll let you do that for free. So my two bucks, are you getting this? How am I going to get blessed? Meh, meh, meh. That's what it did. My two dollars, of course, two dollars went up then. Hello. Okay. <laughs> so it was two dollars plus what all, you know, 10% of the 50. I wasn't going to negotiate out of that one. It was like, oh, that's stupid. Let's, let's, we got a good thing going here now. Let's keep this going. But it was the hardest thing to do that first one, to take that first step. And, you know, I mean, the rest is history. I mean, I was just, you know, blessing. Blessings came in ways that I didn't expect. You see, you can have money and get ripped off. Or you can have money and have favor. You, you know, you hang on to whatever you want to hang on to, you'll get ripped off. You, in fact, get all of that money. I've seen this happen. I, I, I'm telling you, I've seen this happen. The money that you try to keep back and you say, oh, you know, you talk God out of, it'll, it'll get taken from you some way, somehow. I have seen that happen. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you'll have less than if you had just given to God. And He protected the rest and did something else. One of the things I realized was that I would want to go buy something and it was always on sale. Always. Or if I thought, oh, I'm running out, two weeks later, it's on sale. Half price or something ridiculous. So my money went further. Full obedience receives a full reward. Partial obedience ends up in all kinds of trouble. 
I'll just tell you that. You will get blessed, but it will be a mixed blessing. We're going to see that's going to happen to Pete right now. He's going to get a mixed blessing. He's going to fill his nets, but his nets are going to break. Or his net is going to break. Had he thrown down both, all of his nets, wouldn't have been a problem. Getting this? I need you to see all of this. Understand something. If ever you are talking yourself out of something that God has asked you to do, you are all you're doing is talking yourself out of a blessing. That's it. Just finish the story there. Okay? Let's move on. Luke chapter 5 verse 6. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. Alright? It was clearly an abnormal catch. For more than could be rationally explained, and their net was breaking. See, it still says net there. Alright? Their net was breaking. Now there are probably only two possibilities as how this great number of fish suddenly appeared at that instant and at that exact location. When Simon Peter had already explained that they had toiled all night and caught nothing. Meaning that there was nothing to catch. Therefore, this wasn't one of those times when Jesus had some kind of special knowledge that fish would be there. The reason I put that in was because some commentary, some silly commentary, you know, said, oh no, you know, if you stand at a certain spot and you can see fish and you know, you can throw, you know, you can sort of sometimes tell the people, yeah, yeah, throw the net over there because we can see this. The fish can see you too. (laughs) Duh. I mean, they're stupid, but not that stupid. Okay, they see a net coming out. See, that's why they fish at night. Because the fishies can't see the net. Are you with me? In the daytime, look at the stupid fisherman trying to use a net on us. You know, okay, that's what's going on in the fish's brain. If there was anything going on. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Hello. All right. So you need to know this. So people will offer all kinds of ridiculous explanations to get away from the miraculous. Don't let people talk you out of what is actually going on. This book is full of miracles. Why do you want to suddenly try to make sense of something? For where you can manage it in your brain. Amen? We see miracles happening all over the place in our life. Don't normalize it. Don't sort of say, oh yeah, that was luck. Or wasn't it good that it happened? No, 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 that was God that it happened. It wasn't good, it was God. Amen? (laughs) I could tell you some stories, man. I could tell you some stories. Anyway, let's move on. So, the first possibility is that Jesus commanded the fish to gather and be there at the exact location at that exact instant of time and most importantly remain there to be caught because they need to stay there. Hello? Okay? Based on Genesis one twenty eight, what did it say? Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over... The first thing he says, Have dominion over the fish of the sea. If that command was there, it's still there today. Amen. Are you here? So, do you think Jesus knew Genesis 1.28? I'd I'd say yes. I'd I'd nod my head. I'm nodding my head. Okay, on tape. (laughs) Alright. Or CD or whatever. Alright. He knew this verse. He knew he had dominion of the fishes. That means we need to catch you and eat you today. Sorry. But, you know, the, the thing is that understand something that's in the Bible. So what's the big deal for Jesus to say, cast your net over there, or cast your nets out there. I'll bring the fish to you. Jesus brought the fish to them. 
It wasn't just some coincidence. It's amazing how people think this way. It wasn't some coincidence. There was this huge group of fish waited for Jesus to finish preaching, waited for the boat to get in the right place, and then gathered together there so that they could be caught by the net. Duh. You really, really want to go there? Amen? Listen, one of the problems that we have is this. God says, go do this, I'll look after it. That's what goes through our brain. What I just said to you. You mean, God, that you're going to wait until Jesus finishes, and then when He finishes, then you're going to gather all the fish together and wait for for, for us to throw the net, then they're all going to hit the net in daylight. I mean, how stupid are these fish? So that we can catch them all and bring them on, on the boat. You're telling me that is what is possible. Is what we say when God asks us to do something that is seemingly impossible. Because we are rationalizing it, we are going through all the things that need to happen, and we think that is absolutely impossible. He is the God of the impossible. Amen? So don't get upset with Peter when you yourself are arguing with God. When, you, when He asks you to do something, that sounds a little crazy. Amen? I don't want to just read this stuff and go, yeah, 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 we know that happened. No, this is happening in your life. Please don't let it. Let's move on. The second possibility is that Jesus miraculously created all the fish or greatly multiplied what was there. How do you say, where is that coming from? The same way he did when he fed over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. It's called a creative miracle. And then went on to have 12 baskets full of the fragments left over. That's in Matthew chapter 14, okay? In verses 15 through 21. See, I want to give you both of these scenarios. I want you to understand, whatever it took, he did it. Whether he pulled fish from somewhere else and brought it there, or whether he just, boom, there was one and now there's 300. Who cares? If he wants to do it, he can do it. He multiplied the loaves and the fishes. Why can't he multiply fishes in the ocean? Come on, guys. Are you all with me? Why am I saying all of this? Because we have a limited mentality. When God says, speak to something, we say, yeah, but there isn't enough there to come. Well, He'll create what's not there. You just do your part. Let Him do His. Amen? Okay. Alright, let's move on. So notice again, that not only did they catch a great multitude of fish, but it goes on to say that as a result, their net was breaking. Again, as a result of Uh, Peter's partial obedience or stroke disobedience of not letting down the nets as instructed. Understand that it was never Jesus' intention to reward Simon Peter's generosity okay, of lending his boat to Jesus to preach from with a torn net. See, you you need to know that. That's not a gift, is it? No. Okay? So we need to understand there's a lot of things going on here that you need to see. That's the reason why I believe that Jesus said, cast out, cast on your nets, and Peter cast on a net. Alright? He didn't do what he was told. Alright? That's why all this is happening. Alright. Peter had given to Jesus, and Jesus returned the blessing. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Luke 6, remember? Back to him. And that would require several nets. And complete obedience on his part, in spite of what all his past experience told him. 
But because Peter only agreed to let down a net, they ended up being overwhelmed, and it goes on to say, verse 7, so they signaled, see now they're in trouble, okay, <laughs> to their partners, all right, they were too far to shout, okay, it's too far to shout, so they're sort of waving, all right, to their partners, which included James and John from verse 10, in the other boat, that's remember the second boat, remember there are two boats there. Okay, to come and help them. And they came and filled, watch this, both the boats. So that they began to sink. Isn't this incredible? So they have, remember Pete, his, his little wine? We have fished all night and caught nothing. Nothing! Not one fish! And now in the daytime, you can't fish in the daytime. In the daytime, you want us to do this. And look at what they receive. Two boat sinking loads of fish. I mean, the boat didn't sink, but gee, can I say something to you now? What do you think would have happened? Now, they weren't the only fishermen there, were they? Uh, the right answer is no, okay? As in that night, nobody would have caught fish. Follow this now. Follow this, please. I just want to throw a bone at you, know, a little something at you, okay? And so they, now remember they're going to sell all this fish. They can't eat all this. They turn up at the fish market with this incredible load of fish. What do you think is going to happen? The guy they're selling it to going, where'd you get all this fish from? <laughs> Nobody else caught anything. There's a man named Jesus. Do you know what the other thing you have to do when you get paid for the fish that you catch? You have to pay taxes. There's a dude ripping people off called Matthew. <laughs> in the tax office, baby. It's a slow day today. Nobody to rip off. There's no fish. Except these guys come down the road. And they say, we got taxes. He goes, where'd you get this money from? A guy named Jesus. Religious dude. Yep, religious dude. But nothing like you've ever seen. Really now? Tell me what happened. Conjecture, okay? But I want you to know something. You know, we don't always see all the threads that run that sometimes, you know, aren't there. But we can maybe, maybe take a little bit of a leap of faith and maybe see some of the things that might have gone on. Because by the time Jesus gets to Matthew, he's ready to leave everything and just follow him. You have the, it begs the question, Why? I think Matthew probably was listening. He was keeping his eyes open. People hanging around with Jesus seem to come and pay taxes more often than the other lot. <laughs> Hello. Because <laughs> they're making money. Things are going well. Again, just something to think about. Let's move on. I don't want to spend much more time on that than that. But just something for you to think about. All right, moving on. Verse 9. Yeah, verse 8. Verse 8 and 9. When Peter saw it, all right, uh, literally perceived and understood and was aware of what had happened, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, literally abandon me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And the New Living Translation says, Too much of a sinner to be around you. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So they had seen something that was miraculous, that went beyond explanation. 
Are you all here? And Peter, you know, it always, I, I always wonder why Pete said that, why he fell down and said, I'm a sinner. I'm wondering whether it had to do with his attitude, because Jesus didn't come and preach at his house, and then he didn't listen to Jesus when he said, cast on the nets, he only put one net down. And all sorts of, it ran into all kinds of trouble. He would have known he was disobedient. You know, there was an attitude, there was disobedience. Now you can understand why, you know, Pete fell down and said, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. Are you all with me? Okay, because this wasn't Pete just being humble and everything, and going, oh, it's a Messiah, I just have to do something religious. Oh, look, let me just fall down on my... (laughs) Okay, none of that stuff. Pete is a very real person. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, he's very real. If he says I'm sinful, it means he did something naughty. Amen. This wasn't him being religious. He was being real. Okay. And you need to see all of that. And I want you to also understand that James and John, they were watching this. And I reckon there was a conviction there. They realized who they were dealing with as well. Amen. So... Peter now fully understood the extent of his sin and the damage it has caused and realized that Jesus was so much more than just a human being. As William Hendrickson puts it, I'll bring it to a conclusion now, they, that is Peter, James, and John, are beginning to realize that Jesus is superhuman. <laughs> like that, okay? In fact, that he is God. Hendrickson continues again and again in the Septuagint, that's a Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, the title Lord is used as an equivalent of God. And it continues on to say, and I'll repeat this for the tape for the next time. And, he, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, from now on you will catch men. And the original, say, original text actually says, for life. In other words, Peter's profession was about to change from catching fish and bringing death to them to catching men and bringing eternal life to them. Amen. I'm going to stop there. I know we only have a little bit left, but th- that, that ran out. Uh, we'll come back and we'll just go for about 20 minutes and uh, just get into the next session and go from there. All right, take a break. <laughs>